Find your next favorite comic at Shroud Media, where different is the new normal. Shroud Media is a creator and publisher of independent comic books, featuring a diverse range of characters confronted with extraordinary circumstances. In Riven, a dark superhero science fiction, a hero rebels against a totalitarian regime led by his deadly alter ego. The supernatural action-adventure Reitzig pits a mute child soldier against his surrogate military family, forcing him to choose between murdering his surrogate mother or losing his sister forever. And an unlikely romance forms between two women after a near-death experience in the surreal action-adventure Samurai Gunslinger. All Shroud Media digital comic books and graphic novels are available on Comixology, iTunes, and Google Play for hassle-free reading on any device. Find Shroud Media on Facebook, at Shroud Media on Twitter, and ShroudMediaLLC.com. He's gonna take you back to... Hey, this is James Rolfe, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about some of his comics and his fantastic art beyond incredible. Uh, Adam Swore, thanks so much for being with us today, Adam. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be back after a week off, though to the listeners, it doesn't appear we took a week That's off. That's true. But, uh, That's the magic of recording yeah, ahead of time. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good, didn't <laughs> we? We hope you enjoyed our last episode, the What If Disney Never Existed. Uh, we got a lot of feedback from that, yeah. and I was uh, really excited about it. It was a good time, stuff. too. I think it, yeah. it played out really nicely. Yeah, so we're going to start uh, planning our next one here shortly. I'm uh, really excited about this next subject. Uh, the which one? The next what if we're gonna do? Which one are you I, thinking of? Oh, I don't know if I should say it. the uh, what if we made contact at Roswell? Like, oh, it wasn't just some weather balloon. What if? This right. Was. Okay, we'll do that one next. All right, sweet, awesome. <laughs> Look at me setting setting plans. <laughs> well, we had <laughs> talked about the uh, what if Nikolai Tesla was oh, the yeah, uh, yeah, superior yeah. inventor over Thomas Edison, but we'll do that later. Okay. I think he was. Oh, yeah, sure. he was totally superior. <laughs> he was just a shitty advertiser. Yeah, yeah. I just mean like had the world uh, taken all his technology uh, and used it rather than Thomas Edison's. But anyway, we'll get to that in another episode. Uh, we got a good one for you today, though. We're going to be talking about the Transformers in this week's Retro Roundtable, despite the ratings that are coming in from the new movie that's out. I wish these Transformer movies were like a, a physical thing I could hold so I could run them over with my fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have said it better myself, right, Jake. Sweet. But, uh, you know, we're going to reflect on the good side of the Transformers yeah. today. Yeah. Then in the uh, comic uh, vault, what do we got to talk about, guys? Six-Gun Gorilla. <laughs> Everything about that <laughs> has me painted. I'm so sold. <laughs> I've got a fantastic little horror web comic called Ache by Mike Walton. I've been getting very into this guy's work. I'm excited to talk okay, about cool, it. Okay, cool, cool. A few of the books we'll be talking about there. And then we're going to turn our full attention over to Adam and talk about some of his projects at uh, swordraws.com. But before we do that, Jake... 
I was just thinking, guys, you know, you like us, we like you for the most part. Let's deepen this bond by sharing with you all of our social networking handles. Mm-hmm. Am I right? You can check us out on You're Twitter correct. at CannedAirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Visit us there. You know, like go into your friend's house. You don't even have to knock. Just come on in. Yeah. Check out the funny. Help yourself in the fridge. Jokes and images. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grab a Coke. Mark it off on the board. Yeah. Let's do it. it. Yeah. And on our YouTube page, people. Our first episode of Canned Arcade has gone up. Part one of uh, the what Captain America, Captain America and the Avengers. Avengers. It's so, real. Uh, we weren't lying this we weren't really what, lying. three it's months starting. we've been going on about this. It's beginning, people. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And Very excited. Actually, go watch it right yeah. now. It's up. Go watch it. Hit pause. We'll wait. So, <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's get right to it with this week's Retro Round Table. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. All right, guys, the Transformers. Where do we begin? I loved Transformers, past tense, when I was younger, and then I loved Beast Wars, and now all of that has been poisoned for me. So, I, <laughs> what the, was it the Rescue Bots that's on now? I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I just can't. Everything past Beast Wars, and then they did the Trans Metals, then, like, Beast Machines, which was still coolish. Right. But God. I was out with Transformers years ago, so I'm not going to have a whole lot to contribute to this, though I still think they're cool and I I'm love sure. them. But, uh, yeah, all the different uh, incarnations that have come over the years, I have yeah, not been, been able to roll with. So many. Right? Beast Wars comes to mind as the one that really gripped me the most, though. That, yeah, out of all the newer yeah, ones after. Yeah, sure. yeah. Like, it was really high quality you know, for the time. I mean, the animation yeah. doesn't hold up super well, mm-hmm. but the story's good. You know, the dialogue's pretty good. And the characters were always really cool. Apparently, they they made a sequel series in Japan called Beast Wars Super God Master Force. Of course. Riddle me that, Batman. <laughs> but it tanked. So. Win fighting love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they just go right for it in Japan. I was going to ask you, Adam, uh, what you uh, felt toward the Transformers, but it sounds like you were gravitating toward uh, Beast Wars yourself. Yeah, I mean, I liked Beast Wars because there was um, there there seemed to be a point to their their non robot forms, like yeah. it wasn't their choice. And I always I was always kind of bummed out with the Transformers because I thought like it's a fucking robotic planet that creates these massive robots and they have them turn into just like the fucking stupidest shit, like a Ford Datsun or whatever. <laughs> like that is not the most effective means of travel or blending in for that matter. Like motherfuckers are gonna know that you're transforming into a twenty foot tall robot. What well, was the screen? What was the reason why they they stayed in their animal form? In Beast Wars, it was because like the Energon. That's right. It's something about it. Yeah, they scanned the planet and would like force them into the animal form. They didn't get to choose it, did they? Yeah, yeah. Because when they like crash landed, they sent out some scanning wave, and they just got a bunch of readouts on local wildlife, and they took those forms. So I don't. It wasn't like it happened pretty quick. I don't know how much decision they had in it, but. It was cool because, yeah. you know, it was just like yeah. it protected them from the, like, Energon radiation. I guess it was too much. One thing that I've right, never... So into a squishy, fla- like, fleshy mammal that'll definitely protect you from the giant radiation. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> Super sound Everyone knows gorillas are immune to radiation. That's common zoological knowledge. <laughs> Maybe you guys can fill the gap for me here because speaking of, uh, you know, robots turn into stupid shit, when... 
the original Megatron turned into like a pistol, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he how turned was this... into it was like a Walther something or another with a scope. Walther P thirty eight. Yeah, and if yeah. you brought that Jump. shit onto the street when you were a kid, you would probably get stopped yeah. by the cops. <laughs> Here's the thing though, I mean that's what he turned into in the show too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, yep. wouldn't he be like real tiny compared to Optimus I always Prime? wondered yeah about he that. just like, got how does really hand? small when he transformed and then Starscream would use him as but a he was weapon. still a super powerful gun yeah. when he was little that's kind of a really interesting like sub dom relationship that those two <laughs> really have is, yeah. extra perspective rankings like yeah. I'm gonna turn into a gun now you pull my trigger damn it <laughs> <laughs> you always see Starscream as like this sniveling underling who's like secretly plotting but I don't know he literally pulled the trigger in that relationship. So I don't remember this. You're telling me that Megatron in the original series was real small? No, no. no he, he was, was like big the same. robot, but he as a robot, he was the same size. When Where's he transformed, all of it go? he got smaller. I don't know. I don't Where know. does Optimus Prime's trailer go? Look at Soundwave. He was a big robot. Yeah, turned into a little a cassette box. player. I thought Optimus Prime's trailer turned into like some accessory for battle. The toys it part always turned into yeah, some sweet did. battle station. Yeah, and the cartoon it just kind of fell off. Yeah, it's and like disappeared. Because he always jumped into the air to transform too. So like there was that it just fell out of frame, and you were like, oh shit! I hope it didn't land on anyone. <laughs> so there's some highway where they choose to transform every time it's just littered with abandoned That's trailers. Right. <laughs> He's, He's got to make like a new one every desert time. Desert battlefield, like fucking Power Rangers where they always went to fight that was like just outside of California city limits or whatever. Like, it's like, oh no, we're going to go fight here. Nobody will notice. Well, it kind of makes me think of like when uh, astronauts go into space, you know, they the shuttles attached and pardon me, I don't know the technical terms attached to that huge ass rocket that takes them to space and they get up there, they detach just, and that yeah. just is left to drift. Right. I mean, it's just uh, I think it burns up in orbit. Yeah. A lot. Of is that what happens? Yeah. That is the technical term, though, by the way, the huge ass rocket. <laughs> I'll take it. The H-A-R. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else we got, guys? Uh, I always thought it was really cool that. You know, you watch Transformers back in the day, and every character had their own personality, I guess, but they were all kind of one note. It seemed like in Beast Wars, they did a lot of interesting things with the characters. Like, you had one that kept jumping back and forth between factions. I think it was Dinobot. He was a raptor. And like, oh, he's with this. Oh, she was the best. Yeah. I think that might have been my first crush, which is oh, right? really? oh, fucked up. It's hard to reconcile that. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I've been there, my friends. I've yeah, been there. Yeah. Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, she's mm. right up there. <laughs> but yeah, Black Rackney and Tarantulas. For my... Tarantulas, by the way, great Transformer. Terrible naming choice. <laughs> yeah. just, just the plural of Tarantula? That's what they could... <laughs> Tarantulas. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too bad. Yeah. That's too bad. And everyone hated Rat Trap. I love oh, Rat yeah, Trap. I remember Rat Trap. He was cool. Yeah. Oh, my boy. <laughs> yeah. It's like he that was, was like, his whole trade. Is... Exactly. Of the group. Yeah. That was an important role, you know, to fulfill. You know, it's a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> his what? transmetal toy was badass. Yeah, too. he had the wheels. Like that rat car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the coolest goddamn thing in the world. I've only yeah. ever owned one Transformer toy, and Jack, I think I've told you a million times what it was, like that little green dump truck that was a part of something bigger. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, that. I had him. He was a constructor. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love the construction. He was the torso, the most useless part of... Devastating. Right. only had him. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the only one I had, and I was like, yeah, yeah he's a 
torso. The idea that there was like, even in this world of robots, there's still like the blue collar folk. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, construct a bots, go build us some shit. Like we're self-replicating robots. Can't it just build itself? No, no, you can put on your fucking hard hat and like get your lunchbox and go do it. Oh, I'm sorry. Are, are you a Walther P230, whatever the hell? I thought, oh, no. I thought you were a construction vehicle. <laughs> oh my I'm God. the gun. I call the shots. One thing I will say, despite how shitty the movies have become, it's really cool that uh, Peter Collin has done the voice of Optimus. Optimus, yeah. all these years. I almost, I almost feel bad for him. Like he's just such a trooper <laughs> for sticking through all this. He's just doing what he's always done. He's doing hey, it just as well. Money yeah. fucking talks. I know, right? <laughs> you can hear the age in his voice anymore now, too. But, like, that works for the character, yeah. too. You know, it's like, it only gets better. He's you can also hear, like, leader. a little ching-ching like, every time you talk. You can hear the little blip while he's, like, checking his messages, like, oh, sentient beings all have the right to <laughs> It's funny you bring up that line. A little uh, fun fact about that line. Freedom is the right of all sentient yeah, beings. Yeah, it's like his catchphrase. Uh, well, it's funny because he said it in the first movie that came out, but was never actually said in the cartoon. Really? And that line was put in that movie. Uh, the way it made it in that movie is Michael Bay got on like a blog or something and said, you know, everyone submit a line. I'll pick one of them. And that was one that somebody picked, and they asked where they got it. I know, right? <laughs> what do you say? Can't he write his own stuff? <laughs> but um, yeah, that line came from the back of the Optimus toy box in the eighties. Huh. Yeah, I thought that it's was like a cool the little tidbit. Berenstain Bears effect. It's just like this cultural memory contagion. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the Mandela effect. Uh, yeah, because yeah. that's the... Yeah, that's what... Because yeah. I heard him say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, he used to say that all the time. <laughs> I know Transformers. <laughs> he <laughs> never yeah, said it one. once. But um, I did not know he was also uh, the narrator on Voltron. Oh, wow. Had no idea. Huh. And... Wait, Michael Bay? <laughs> no. <laughs> Peter Collins. <laughs> Thank God forbid. Jesus. Uh, get this right. Robots. Lions. Bam. <laughs> They're everywhere. Guns. Imagine if he did those movies. Ugh. I yeah. can, I can, I can see it in my head, and it's just making me sad. Yeah, he's just like he's like the Nickelback of filmmaking. Right? <laughs> it's just awful. Like that he is just fair. generates so much money, and you're just like, ah, no, this is what the rest of the world thinks of us now. You son of a bitch! Like it's just like soulless corporate yeah. nothing. I was out from that first movie though. Like I saw like Michael Bay prevents Transformers with Shia LaBeouf and Megan like, Fox, and I was yeah, like, you could no. not describe a more perfect hell for me. <laughs> I hate how in all his movies he just gets the most ridiculously hot, unrealistic girlfriends for these people, yeah. you know, or daughters or whoever. And it just takes away from the fantasy, I think. Well, what else is he going to jerk off to in his trailer later That's when exactly the cocaine it. runs out? I do wants- think it would be interesting if, like, Shia LaBeouf came back now and did the next Transformers movie with, like, his rat tail and political, like, you just stand <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the battlefield just in, like, a bucket of ice. <laughs> yeah, like, just stark naked, like, maybe holding, like, today's paper or something over his genitals, just like, do it! This is not the war you were told it was. Does right, he... That'd be like the Terry Gilliam fucking Transformers. <laughs> is he not getting any All right, work I would watch the sweet bejesus out of a Terry Gilliam Transformers. <laughs> it's crazy. It'd be all practical effects, though. Everybody'd be like 14 feet tall. It would be like stilts and shit falling over. It'd be great. I'm so ready for that. Crazy animation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is Shia LaBeouf, like, totally out of Hollywood now? Is he not, He's... like, nobody asking him to do I anything? can't even tell, like, on what... 
part of the spectrum he is crazy wise these days he did that sia video that was pretty rad i think he left hollywood i don't think he was kicked out i mean like when you start on even stevens that young (laughs) like disney stars don't have a notoriously long lifespan like the earlier you start the earlier you're like shipped off to the island you know what i mean (laughs) i just like her down for nutrient paste to feed walt disney's frozen body (laughs) i just have a strong feeling that had he not gone on his psychotic ramp, we might see a little more of him nowadays. He was like Steven Spielberg's go-to boy for a minute there. Yeah. Like they put him in that the indie movie with the fucking aliens and Blanche oh. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that was horrible. And they're they're making Best another one, aren't they? Of what? Indiana Jones? I thought I heard. I I don't know. I've heard back and forth. It's been a little while since I heard anything. Huh. Uh, I thought the last thing I heard was that like. They, uh, it was just going to be Spielberg, like Lucas was out or something. Like, it was like, hey, all right, you can put in the fucking aliens, but the next one, you're not coming anywhere near it. <laughs> like, you're done. You go sit in the corner with your fucking Ewoks. <laughs> it's about goddamn yeah. time, I guess. Makes sense. Have you so- ever seen uh, Fury? Now that we're talking about Shia LaBeouf. No, I've got, got that, a tank I've not crew. Watched it yet. Over no, Western I front. have not. It's, it's not bad. It's got John Bernthal, um, Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's a couple of other people. Shia LaBeouf is is one of the main characters. He actually puts on a pretty good show. Does he? Yeah, yeah. It was was a respectable. As I understand, he went like completely method for it too. Like ripped out one of his own teeth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, refused to shower. No, Jiminy. Yeah, which I I gotta kind of respect because I love the crazy method actors. Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. That big chip in his tooth. That was that's an actual. I remember hearing about that chip, and they uh, he had that knock. Like the filling or like cap taken back, back out to, for the movie, yeah. Huh. Go figure. I just saw an article that that movie might have been like funded by like embezzled or stolen money or something like that. It was like some clickbait headline. It was like Dumb and Dumber made with stolen money. What? I was like, wow, like holy reaching for shit. Like, isn't like a third <laughs> of the ocean infected by radiation? And we're talking about scary vehicle from the 90s. Like, we're focusing on what's matters Let's keep here. the problems yeah. in perspective. Better <laughs> click on this. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. this will enrich my day. Oh, I hate that clickbait shit yeah. on the internet. It's so horrible. And I always succumb to it. Yeah, that's And what pisses me off to like, you know, top 10 actors who are, you know, living in the gutter now. And the person they put up there, like, Oh my God! Really? And then you look at those ten, and it's not that. Yeah, person. it's like Samuel Jackson or someone who's at the <laughs> yeah. top of their game, right? Now. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, because I always get you. It's like, oh, you won't believe these twelve pairs of celebrity tits. It's like, yeah, I bet you're right. Cancel <laughs> 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 really my appointment. Um, uh, quick related note: Have you guys ever read the Transformers comic books? I have not. Mm-mm. No, but we've and had no, people on okay. the show who have, and they talked highly about them. I think the one was G.I. Joe and Transformers, I think That's someone cool, talked man. about Yeah, them. maybe. It's really ballsy when, like, the, the, you know, the money shot of every cartoon is when every, all the fucking stupid plot goes away and you see them transform. It's yeah. the whole thing. It's in the title. Like, the whole... But in still images, it's really boring. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? it's like, like, how many pages are we going to devote to this guy turning from, like, you know, like a cobra into, like, oh, look, he's a robot. Well, big surprise. But, like, wow, that was neat. Like, <laughs> like so you're saying they just went on and on with it, like, throughout Like, the all panel. the kinetic feeling of them transforming is gone. It's, it's yeah. just one yeah. panel, yeah. robot. One panel, yeah. whatever he transforms into. Mm-hmm. Oh, cute. the robot comic. 
<laughs> it's funny because I've heard such good things about that original uh, run. Was it one Marvel, right? And you know what? Remembering now, I, it was a million years ago. It might have been like the third time I was on the show. I did read, was it Hail Megatron? was like a that's right first edition which was cool in that like the cover was megatron on a field of corpses with like prime's head on a pike and like smoldering ruins of earth behind him like oh yeah this is metal as shit and then you open it up and it's just like <laughs> table setting and it was, it was a little dope but it was pretty cool because they built up this one character who's like this heroic fighter pilot he's like stroking a picture of his wife and two daughters while he's in the cockpit and he's like I'm gonna stop these alien bastards and like Megatron backhands the jet and kills him immediately in the next panel it's like they spend all this time building him up bam he's gone that's awesome. Now was that that was a newer comic though? Yeah, right? that was, yeah, that uh, was definitely newer. I think nowadays that's yeah, that, on IDW, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, I think yeah, it was on that uh, Dreamwave or Dream whatever that was around for a little bit in the Millennium there, um, and then it got bought out by IDW because, I mean, God forbid, IDW put out a bunch of original content. <laughs> that takes time, money. <laughs> yeah, they they're pretty hit or miss. I I am in love with that Turtles comic uh, though. It's really good for sure. For sure. They do right by it. I mean, it, it, all joking aside, it's a solid company. And they, sure. I think that's funny, though, with comics, you like when you take those properties and bring them in, like the first thing people do is like, all right, we're going to clear away all the bullshit about this that people liked. And we're going to do it a new fucking like hardcore, super realistic. We're going to get really in depth with plots and character development. And you're like, but what about the transforming part? Like, fuck that. We, don't need that shit. we got writers. We got money. Yeah. That's great. To the credit of the Turtles issue, it has the original creator writing for it. So, I mean, of course, it's going to be good. uh, That it is. There have been some other good things on IDW. I can't think of what I've read that was really good off the top of my head. But a lot recently, it's just a lot of these crossovers. uh, Ghostbusters Mm. and Turtles or Mm, Turtles and Mama's Family or whatever. Green Lantern. (laughs) For sure. Golden Girls meet Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Goonies in the Manson family <laughs> I would read that one yeah. be good Oh my god um, I, I think a lot Jump of people Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people might know this next uh, little tidbit But the GoBots actually came before the Transformers Oh yeah I didn't know that I hated the GoBots yeah, I remember it like a show and tell in kindergarten. At some point, I had brought in like Optimus or Major, like Laser Optimus with the big trailer that turns into a battle station. Some kid brought in a couple of GoBots, and I'm like, look at this broke ass punk. This is Psykill. He's the leader of the kid that always smelled a little like piss. <laughs> Comb your hair, kid. <laughs> One thing about Transformers I can't stand anymore is they they don't transform really anymore. I, there was something that went with uh, production out of them that they had to have like three or less moves to transform. Oh, really? yeah. The toys yeah. are just All oh, the toys, the yeah. Toy, yeah. I tell you, when I was a little kid, as much as I loved playing with that Transformer, that thing was hard to transform. Yeah. And I always had to get my dad to do it for me. You know, I always prided myself prided is that the grammatically correct i, I was always myself? proud of myself because <laughs> <No. laughs> i managed to transform them without the instructions it became like a personal challenge i got a new one it's like yeah whatever i know it's like the back yeah. of my hand one of my buddies stupid. bought a lot of the japanese beast wars and because uh, their toy line was crazy they had fucking giraffes and lions oh, wow. and like all this na- like gnarly stuff 
you didn't really have a choice but to figure it out on your own because the, the instructions are in Japanese and uh, even the pictures were useless but um, <laughs> like, and like the, the draft one is really difficult because like when it's composed in like in beast mode it's a very convincing draft like it's the proportions <laughs> look accurate and like it's very smooth joints and everything like holy shit that's a draft and then you're like no way a robot and uh, <laughs> super effective but it's yeah. amazing i bet he's the the best at getting the the leaves on the tall branches when, when the <laughs> <robots> <laughs> need oh my god that's great those those toys were made of like die cast metal and yeah uh, now they're just all plastic metal ones, yeah. yeah and like you're saying just like two or three turn transform like two or three colors of plastic too so yeah get no paint details detailed man there's been like a hard line go down the action figure uh Business, You know, you used to be able to get action figures that all looked pretty much like the people they're trying to represent. Mm-hmm. And decent detail, not great. But ever since, like, Star Wars had put out the Black Series and Marvel with their, uh, what are they called? Legends. Legends series. They started doing these, like, high grade of uh, action figures. It seems like the regular run took a hard hit and, like... Have lost detail. Like I got a few of those Power Ranger. Yeah, the new Power Ranger toys. They look like shit, man. It's like you've got this binary now, where it's like these are for kids and they are cheap, and then the ultimate Neo Play Arts Kai, whatever the hell, (laughs) seventy-eight dollar super masterpiece that comes with sixty-seven parts. You're gonna lose day one. But I'm not always about spending twenty to fifty bucks on an action figure either. So I'll go for that cheaper, shitty one. And you know, it's fun to even take it home as like a model, paint the rest of it out or something like that. God, I'm a nerd. <laughs> anyway, I had a friend had past tense because this was the last straw who loved Beast Wars when he was young. He said, yeah, I used to take apart their arms and legs and stuff and like mix and match them. I'm like, no. Get then the they hell can't out of transform. <laughs> That's stupid. I, I don't care if it's Jones. a ball and socket joint. See, that's oh, yeah. different because yeah. they're all human. Well, yeah. They don't need to, you know, you're not mixing. <laughs> it's just like they're changing pants. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> of course, I have friends that would you, put. If you evolve that thought process to its like ultimate conclusion, there's really no difference between chopping up an animal and sewing it back together. It's still just not okay. I guess you got me <laughs> I can't believe I hadn't had to make that distinction before in my life this is yeah. gonna have to wrestle with that one uh, one more thing really quick here before we move on I found this on the internet and found it very interesting again it might be common knowledge to you Transformer uh, Transformians uh, is the name oh, oh, joke yeah. I don't know I, w- I wouldn't have uh, come okay, on to that. is that really the name <laughs> it is now okay, I prefer the term tranny <laughs> oh, oh. Manual or automatic? <laughs> I think someone already owns that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But the okay, uh, the toys that came out, the the toys that would have the silver or gold metallic uh, parts to them. I don't know if you guys remember, but they would over time crumple and like deteriorate and break inevitably, always. Yeah. And it became known as the gold plastic syndrome uh, amongst the toy line. Well, in the show then, they well they, they put it in the show, this gold plastic syndrome, which was like some kind of virus that the Transformers at one point or other were trying to find a cure for, and that the Decepticons had even uh, weaponized. <laughs> so I just found it really cool how they took That's their cool. own toy defect yeah. and made it into something cool. So even if it's their toy breaks... It's not a defect. Plug, Look, it's in the show. Yeah, it's in the show. It's supposed to do <laughs> Please that. Please keep buying. <laughs> right. And buy they did. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. 
But on that note, we'll uh, end the Transformers talk and uh, I guess talk about some t-shirts. Yeah. Oh. We haven't I talked about Talking about more than meets the eye. I mean, hey. if you put on one of these t-shirts, you will transform into a social success. Look at this guy right here. So I wish for death of all sentient <laughs> beings to dress themselves in canned air merchandise. Got yeah. right, Jack. Yeah. You can transform at society6.com forward slash canned air pod. It's that easy, folks. Or go to cannedairpodcast.com, hit that merch button. You'll be directed to your whole new wardrobe. We guarantee a slew of prime deals. Look at this guy. <laughs> I can't even think of any. I'm sitting here, like, racking my brain. I know. I'm all Keep out. Keep him coming. Come on. I'm done. I'm you dry. Got, there's got to be a bumblebee Empty somewhere cylinder. in there, right? You'll yeah, be hit uh, with sound waves of people whistling at you. Hey. For uh, wearing your candy hey. merch. Yeah. Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Jake. Nailed it. Well done. Thanks. So... Once again, society6.com forward slash Pod. Go get some tasty t-shirts. Please. Pillows. Shower, shower curtains. curtains. There it is. The offer still stands for the curtains. Oh, yeah. If you buy those curtains, let us know. Send us a receipt or in your email. And we'll, uh, we'll record five podcasts on any topic you want. And you'll get early access to the Candare calendar. Our sexiest fan offering yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sexy calendar. Candare 2018 lingerie <laughs> that's such a completely loathsome thought it made me a little nauseous even as we're making the joke. we're going to set the standard for uh, calendars here five fighters are going to start doing it all different after Candare does <laughs> these Candare boys they have it yeah. figured out they do they do society6.com forward slash Candare pod let's swing open the door to the comic vault that scared the hell out of me. I didn't notice you for a second. <laughs> it was the door open. Well, well done, Jack. Well done. <laughs> Who would like to go first this week? I think Not I me. went first last week. Really? No one? Come I got to make sure. I got to look at my notes here so I, can, All right. I know what I'm talking about. Go ahead with your movie-based comic Read book. your thing. I'm gonna about to blow all your fucking minds. Damn sellout. Do here. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, a while back, and I had completely forgotten about it, apparently. Uh, we got hit up on Twitter by uh, Night Cinebook, uh, which is a, a publishing company, comic publishing company out of the UK. And uh, they hit us up saying, hey, can we send you some of our books for you to read and review? And we said, sure, why not? So uh, just last week, I got a big package with the UK stamped all over it. I couldn't rem- remember what it was, but after researching, found out it was, in fact, uh, Night Cinebook had sent us all these awesome comics. Like, what do we got here, guys? Orbital, uh, Thor Girl, Long John Silver, The Isle of Brock. Yeah. Uh, and the one I'm going to be talking about, Valerian, which is about to be released as a movie. Yeah. Yep. Here I wish they'd just release month. it as like a pretty cool trailer and then not release the movie because it's probably not going to be great. But the trailer is pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I don't know. That was the dude that did uh, the Fifth Element. That was yeah, pretty that's, rad. Yeah, oh, was that's it really? what it's got it going for it. I yeah. And um, oh, I wouldn't have known anything about this. It's weird how the timing worked out, and maybe you know on their end they kind of planned it this way, but. Uh, to get this book, not having heard anything of it, and then within the week after getting it, starting to see trailers on TV, yeah, yeah. finding leaflets in the comic book store about it. So I was like, I'm going to get on board. And they sent us a like a hardback. That's uh, a good looking copy. Yeah, volume one, the complete collection. 
And before, I think there's like three or four uh, graphic novels in this book. But before that, there's interviews with like the original writers and the director of the upcoming movie. Um, I'll just give some, it a chance. Yeah, just some backstory on uh, the creators. It's really cool. And uh, something else I'm going to touch on after I talk about the comic here. Um, so there's a lot to this whole universe, it would seem. I've only read one issue. So to you uh, Valerian buffs out there, if I fuck something up. Be gentle, please. So, uh, this first story that I read was called Bad Dreams, and it takes place in the year 2720 uh, in a city called Galaxity, the capital of Earth and the uh, Terran Galactic Empire. Those two last words I said there, Galactic Empire. Let those ring through your head, okay? I'm Terran. I'm on board. (laughs) Terran. (laughs) Siege tanks. So what it is, is, uh, again, in the year 2720, and uh, we have found, humanity rather, has found the means of instant teleportation through time and space, which has made the workforce pretty much obsolete. There's just a select few of uh, humans that are actually working, operating these these, uh, time-traveling methods and uh, space-traveling methods. But other than that, um, everyone's kind of just lethargic and hooked up to these, like, dream machine kind of things that... uh, uh, you remember the movie? Was it Wally? The Disney movie yeah, Wally? Yeah, that's all exactly yeah, yeah. what I was going to. When he's on that show, how all yeah. those people are like submersed in like a virtual reality. I'm tired of waiting for that to become reality. <laughs> right. <laughs> Spent 26 years walking around. I'm done. Or, uh, well, I guess it's not like surrogates, but yeah, more like, uh, yeah, like we were just saying there. So, um, a ship departs through time without any clearance, and it sets everybody like. A gas, like oh god, who's who's going back to change the time, uh, what the time ripple or whatever? Yeah. So they got to go back and stop them. And uh, before whoever it is left, they put everybody in this pleasant dream state. Pretty much the whole you know civilization of Earth in like a panic. He sabotaged it somehow. So they uh, call on Valerian, who's this uh, like intergalactic cop, I guess, who is the man for the job. They get and they send him back. To the 11th century, where apparently this uh, character by the name of Zambul has gone. So he has to dress the part, you know, 11th, 10th century, or, or 11th, uh, 11th, 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 that's, that's right, right. <laughs> the 11th century, and uh, go back and find this character. And while he's back in this time, he meets up with uh, Laureline, the, uh, the girl who's also in the trailer and mm-hmm. like the other main star of this whole series. So I'm guessing this is like an issue one or something. They, I'm not going to get into details because this is really long. But together, dense. yeah, together they end up finding the villain uh, once again, Zombul. And the reason he's come back to the 11th century is because he needed a better breed of human to transform with this spell into a loyal, obedient mo- uh, animal monster kind of thing. Like he has a spell that when he reads it on people, they turn into some obedient, hideous beast. He had to go back to the 11th century to do this because <clears throat> the people in uh, the current time in the dream state are too stupid and lethargic and not going to make very good soldiers. So uh, he stops him, puts, uh, stops his shenanigans. He goes back to the current day, follows him back there. He's done the same thing to all the people of our time since it was kind of a last-ditch effort to take over. Anyway, I'm not going to drone on. They stop him. He brings this uh, Laurelin girl Back to his time. So I guess this is like the origin setup of those two characters for the rest of the comic line, I'm assuming. 
I fucking love French comics, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking out there. It's out there, but it's uh That's how they do. It's, it's great. They're fun. just like, here's all this shit, fucking deal with it. <laughs> well that's you just it. Me. It just there's no real borders or boundaries to it. It goes wherever the hell it wants to go. And does it well, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. some people when they run off the rails like that, it goes horribly wrong and wasn't the case with this. So I'm excited to read on. But here's what I wanted to uh show you guys so freaking badly. And I told you to keep Galactic Empire. Those were words right out of the comic, right yeah. around your head. In the be- before in the beginning of this book, before the comic starts, there's a whole segment called Image Creators where they talk about the similarities between uh this comic and Star Wars. Now, this comic predates Star Wars by eight, nine years. And uh, I'm sorry to the listeners at home who don't have a visualization. There we go. I got it out of what I'm about to show Jack and Jake here. But it's a side-by-side of things from the early 70s from this comic right next to uh, the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy. And I'm thinking Mr. Lucas uh, may have ripped somebody off here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at this. I mean, the ship right next to the Millennium Falcon, crazy similar. There's the gold bikini with Leia. Han and Carbonite. Darth Vader's helmet. Darth Vader with his helmet off. The whole Watto character. I mean, it hmm. isn't just like coincidence. It's like beyond coincidence. Remind me to get a picture of that for the Instagram. Oh, well, see, I'm wondering if we should. I thought oh, about putting it on oh, social media, but I'm man. thinking that might be some incentive for to people... For people to go to uh, cinebook.co.uk and pick up a copy for themselves to check it out because the similarities are striking. And um, that's crazy. Mr. Lucas, uh, awesome. you got some explaining to do. Yeah. <laughs> Give all your money back, please. That's why he sold it. But anyway, I'm going to check this movie out and I'm going to read the rest of this book as well. I might talk about it on uh, future Comic Vault. So sorry to be long winded on it, but Valerian, check it out. Cool. Who's next? Actually, uh, do you want to go next, Adam? Yeah, sure, sure. I can go next. Um, book I grabbed is uh, it's, uh, Automatic Kafka. Um, it was put out by uh, Wildstorm back in like 2001, 2002. Uh, it was written by Joe Casey with art by Ashley Wood. And it is uh, probably my favorite book that's got any real semblance to a superhero comic. Um if, you, if anybody's familiar with Ashley Wood, the idea of him doing a proper superhero book is pretty ridiculous. Why but, does um, Ashley Wood ring a bell in my... I'm looking at uh, Ashley Wood. He did uh, Zombies versus Robots, Zombies versus Robots versus Amazon. He's the like co-creator of 3A, which is a Japanese company that puts out like super high-end robot toys. He did like the Metal Gear Solid books. He's done Tank Girl. Um, okay, yeah, I'm seeing he did all the Hellspawn comics. Uh, he's like this Australian oil painter, digital artist, and he kind of looks like um, uh, an Australian version of Ricky Gervais. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can kind of see that. that. With, with oh, yeah. Nothing but love. Like, I met the guy at uh, San Diego when I was down there working the first year that I was down there. And um, he was just the, the absolute opposite end of my first interaction with Ben Templesmith, uh, who is also from Australia and also was kind of part of that first wave of really atmospheric artists that worked for IDW. Like, Ben Templesmith was in this brown and orange pinstripe suit. I think he had a fucking bow tie on, like a perfectly gelled coif. <laughs> And um, he was just like, he was just, I mean, 
I don't know him well, but my interaction with him was not pleasant. Like, I won't go so far as to say he was a dick, but if I were the kind of person to say that, I would. Um, and Ashley Wood was just like this totally laid back guy in like, you know, cargo shorts and flip flops. And there were these huge posters. And I was like, are those, what are those posters for? He's like, well, I think these assholes are selling them, but I'm just going to give them to anybody who asked for one. And I was like, can I have one? And he's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the scariest guy. But uh, Automatic Kafka is about, uh, it centers on uh, the titular character, uh, Automatic Kafka, who is a, he's an android who can like morph his form into pretty much anything, including absurdly large guns. And uh, he was part of a super group of uh, superheroes in the 80s who were like, like a company created an endorsed superhero squad um, uh, that are pretty on the nose as far as, as what there was like one dude who's called the, the constitution of the United States. Like that was his, (laughs) (laughs) and he was like this super sexual ultra violent dude with all these fucking tattoos and a gas mask. And uh, they had Helen of Troy who like her, her superpower was that she was really erotically charming. (laughs) That was it. She was just sexy, like super sexy. Um, so the superhero squad breaks up and Automatic Kafka's having kind of a, a rough time of it. You know, a bit of a Shia LaBeouf moment. <laughs> and uh, he gets addicted. Yeah, he gets addicted to something they call nanotech heroin. So it's basically heroin for robots. Um, and he goes through this whole like super crazy like tripping drug sequence and um it's it's just it's it's such a a love letter and a molotov cocktail towards superhero books in general and uh, the fact that dc let it come out on their wild storm line was was really impressive it's only like nine issues in total but the first issue is just it's beautiful it's kinetic it's absurd it's it's everything i i really enjoyed about what people could get away with right after the year 2000 in comic books. What was it called one more time? Automatic Kafka. You can probably find it in like the dollar bin at any comic store near your house. <laughs> nice. I'll keep an eye out for I'm that. Down with that. Yeah, yeah that sounds that. really cool. I, one thing you mentioned earlier, someone being a dick at a con. I don't understand how uh, comic creators can be that way at a convention. No less. I've had oh, that. Ex- if you're peddling your wares, you want to be the nicest person you can yeah. be, usually. And I've had that experience myself, where I saw a book, I was genuinely interested, which, you know, it doesn't really happen too often, where I'm walking by an artist's table and I see something completely foreign to me and I just take to it. And the person was just such a fucking dick that I regret buying the book. <laughs> um, for sure. And it, it was a good book, but it's, it's tainted for that from that experience. I can for sure give you a little bit here. Uh, I've done somewhere between like 40 and 60 comic conventions working behind the table in the last so many years. And uh, while it might be really fun, like I just went to a comic convention as like a civilian uh, for the first time in 12 years about two months ago. And it was a blast walking around, buying shit, seeing the cool stuff, hearing the crappy sales pitches, making all the other people feel really awkward because I'm like 6'4 and I have face tattoos. Um, (laughs) But when you're working at convention, dude, it sucks. Like you spend all this time as a comic book artist sequestered in a room, like 
pouring yourself into these pages that most people are going to really spend like maybe a minute or two looking at if we're being super duper honest and then you have to lug all your shit halfway across the fucking country stay in a shit hotel because you're trying to keep your profit margin high enough to keep your lights on when you get back home (laughs) right and get into these tiny tables you're surrounded by thousands of people that you know either don't shower or wear way too much axe body spray and you're competing like you know at some place like san diego where like the convention center is like a mile from one end to the other and back and there's hundreds and hundreds of other artists you're also competing with celebrities that are charging you know 40 dollars for a cell phone picture or 80 dollars for a signature mm-hmm. you know you've got sony and disney putting up more money than you're going to see in the next 10 years for their virtual encompassing booth and you're sitting over in the corner with your fucking ash can like hey has anybody got three dollars like right. it's it's this it's this herculean task to try and turn a profit as an indie artist at a convention and if you're even remotely sober, I can definitely understand why you'd be in a bad mood. Right. You know what I mean? Well, so I get it, but like Ashley Wood had like 30 days of night money, or not Ashley Wood, fucking Ben Temple Smith had like, he was set at that point. So whatever, fuck that guy. But yeah. on like the lower level, I can totally relate to why you can meet an artist and they might be a little rough around the edges. You're probably the first person they've had to interact with in a week or two. And, you know, all they want from you is like three bucks. And, you know, it's really it it can be very trying talking to 7000 people in one day. Yeah, totally. And to take that on that responsibility of, you know, like you were saying, lugging all your shit there, presenting yourself. And it's it is hard. I've seen we've seen it firsthand several times. The, you know, the work people put in to get you interested in their project. And I, th- I think that's why we actually started having people on here just to kind of help out because it is so hard yeah. for comic uh, artists to get the attention of someone just walking by. But, you know, the comic convention is hardly a comic convention anymore. It's comic, exactly. movie, TV. Mm-hmm. It encompasses so much stuff and it brings in a whole crowd that's not there for comics, yeah. which makes the job right. even harder. Right. So, you know, when you get these cons, like we, we did the space and those lower indie com- small right yeah. where it's nothing but comics you get the cream of the crop the people that are there to uh for comics it's you very know, pure new focus at a yeah. whole convention like yeah that. so yeah my hat goes off to anyone willing to do that i mean we're not even selling comics and i i'm just like hesitant to get us active <laughs> in the conventions just for You're that very reason we don't have anything to comic. hand the people we just want their attention yeah you know? that's <laughs> right Here's a bookmark. Three bucks? That's free. God, I just... There are people who give you such a look of disdain. I'm like, hey, you want a free bookmark? Listen to the show. They're like... That's the truth. When we first started handing out the bookmarks, we had some people that were like, oh, wow, cool, thanks. But the last time we did it in Cincinnati... they were just not... I'm not a Jehovah's Witness or something. I'm not asking them to convert. I'm just giving them a bookmark. Well, like the one dude. I said, here, here, have a free bookmark. Oh, yeah, there's that. (laughs) Wow, that's true. But I said, here, have a free bookmark. He said, no, thank you. And he walks away, like, looks kind of mad. I said, hey, you want would you like a free bookmark? And this dude act like I reached around and grabbed his nuts or something. Like, <laughs> I violated him so, like, looked me up and down. Like, who the hell are you? And I don't read. <laughs> so I thought, let's just set the stack over here with all this other shit that's yeah. being picked up and get the hell out of here. But anyway, very, very cool. Who would like to go next? 
I'll knock mine out really quick because it's yeah. just a little short thing. Uh, you know, I've usually gone on about how I, I don't like revealing the ending of like web comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. This guy's super prolific, and if it gets people to visit his website, and I think it's just such a cool and like weirdly funny little story. He, he wrote this. He, he makes these small sort of horror and sci-fi little vignettes. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but it makes me feel smart. So I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> vignettes. Uh, yeah, these little vignettes. And this one's called Ache. Guy wakes up. He's in bed with his wife and he's complaining of a toothache. He's like, oh, it sucks. I, uh, I just I need to get rid of it. She's like, well, you know, when I was young and I had a loose tooth or a toothache, I'd just tie it to the door and my dad would slam it shut. And he's Ugh. like... Yeah, all right, let's try it. So for whatever reason, this seems like a great idea. <laughs> so he Don't gets go to some the dentist, sweetheart. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, so he ties it around his tooth. She slams the door, and it's the most horrific. The tooth comes out, but there's like this foot-long nerve tendon, like some root going all the way back into his gums, and it's just hanging out of there. And he's on the floor screaming, and she's like, okay, honey, uh, you need to go to the doctor. This is like a tumor or a cyst or something. This is not normal. He's like, no, it hurts too much. Just pull the rest of it out. She's like, I'm not pulling it out. He's like, pull the rest of it out. So she wraps this, like, nerve cord around the knob and slams the door again. And it pulls out this this little spaghetti tangle of, like, more of this corded whatever the hell. And he slumps to the ground, seemingly dead or unconscious. And an eye opens up in this mass of noodly viscera. That was beautiful. I know. It was, it was such an amazing shot. And then it, like, of its own volition, it, like, stands up and leers into the wife's face. It says something like, let me inside. And then another one fires out of her mouth with an eye on it, says, this vessel is taken. And then they have an argument about who gets to occupy the space. Oh, my God. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, Mike Walton. uh, It's called Ache. Check it out on False Positive, I think is the name of his website. It is nothing but gold. Nothing but gold on that side. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's the greatest... Oh, I can feel that down in my. I know. It's just as soon as you see that like nerve, you're like, uh, uh, uh. I was just I was at the dentist twice within the past three weeks, getting that yeah. root canal. So Ooh. you're really like, well, welcome to hell. Touching a nerve with me. No pun you, intended. You got to check it out though, because it's the greatest. Wow, it sounds awesome. All right, Jackery, Six Gun Gorilla. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's what, that's what it's we got here. It takes place on this planet called the Blister. And it's a couple centuries out. Uh, apparently, Earth doesn't have resources like it does today, of course. This planet is chock full of them, which brings war. People fighting over it. So that there's turns out to be a civil war going on. Uh, both sides, both armies look like the Confederates and the Union. The, the, their uniforms kind of look like that. And uh, on this planet, combustion doesn't work. So everything has to be either wind up or pneumatic. Okay. So it starts out, these all these soldiers are in this big armored convoy, and it shows an outside view what the convoy looks like. They're these giant armored up turtles, which is kind of cool looking. (laughs) Ninja turtles? Uh, Nope, just (laughs) big land turtles. Dang it. But all the soldiers inside. Are those called tortoises? What's that? Land turtles are tortoises, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, didn't mean to derail. So all the soldiers are inside. Uh, they call them blues 
or whole heads. All the officers, because all the soldiers are pretty much just fodder. Most of them have death sentences anyway. One of them, he lost his girlfriend, got divorced, lost his house, so he doesn't have much to live for, so he decided to enroll. If they die, they get a lot of money for their family. So they're in this convoy, going to meet up for this big battle. One guy's looking out the window and sees this flash across the, the window. No one really thinks anything of it. Later on, they open up the doors for the battle. Everyone just starts getting mowed down. Uh, they get a call from one of the generals that they're supposed to be, that they're getting flanked by the enemy. They need one runner to go see the general, find out what's going on, come back. So this dude runs, ends up finding the general. The general gives him this locket to give back to his commanding officer. Just then, these uh, deserters show up. They just look like cowboys, and they want to take the locket from the guy. Next thing you know, this big gorilla shows up and starts shooting the shit out of him. And everyone's An just actual like, gorilla. Yeah, it was a real gorilla. They're all like, look at his guns. He's got six shooters. Those ain't going to work. Yeah, they just blew everyone away. And that was really the end of it. Wow. So they're <laughs> just, just touching on the, the yeah. title. The way and, you were setting it up there, wow. Now that I have the whole scope of it, it's like uh, King Kong meets Battlefield Bad Company meets Avatar or something, <laughs> yeah. you know? There's a whole bunch of different stuff in there. It's pretty neat. Wow. Fern Gully 4. And meanwhile, there's, they didn't go much into it, but there's like a uh, the Truman Show kind of thing going on, too, where everything that's happened in there is being aired. Oh, I think it's really? like a TV show, it looked like, kind of. Wow. But it didn't go into a lot of detail what's going on. You're kind of left in the dark. What this the was a webcomic? No. No, it was on Comixology. Comixology. Okay. Nice. Six gun gorilla. That was my nickname here. in high school, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good books. Very good. Very good. All right. And with that all behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Adam Sward and talk about some of the stuff he has going on at swarddraws.com. Thanks for being with us, Adam. Yeah, yeah. It's been a blast so far, y'all. Good to hear, man. And uh, we had a blast looking at your comics. I want to thank you so much again for uh, sending them our way. But uh, we have been very fortunate lately on this show to have some amazing black and white comic artists come on. And every time they just keep getting better and better. Yeah. And, uh, man, your work is fantastic. I, I don't know what to <laughs> say you. about it. As a dude who gets, like, unreasonably turned on by good, like, monochrome and black and white. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I'm very into it. One thing that uh, really stands out, though, is, you know, typically when you find that artist who can do really intricate line work and... You know, add that depth to black and white, you get one style. And there's so many different styles showing through yes. through in your work that it's crazy. It, you'd think there was like a fleet of people working on it, but it's coming from you. That's amazing, man. So uh, before we uh, go any further, why don't you go ahead and just tell the uh, listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your projects? Uh, okay. Um, uh, my name is Adam Sward. Uh, I'm a illustrator, a comic book maker, a tattooist, and musician in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, my current books uh, that are that are coming out with some sort of regularity are uh, Electric Hangover. Um, oh, I don't even want to go into the description of that book. It takes so long for how simple it is. Uh, well, <laughs> that was that was uh, the one that stood out to me the most. <laughs> just the way the well, I'll shut up and let you go. I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm all wound up here. Just, 
No, there's the Electric Hangover, um, My Awful Mouth is kind of, it's like reprinting a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've been illustrating for a little over a decade now, and um, a lot of the stuff that I did just never hit the, sh- the soil of America. It was stuff for Canadians or, you know, uh, some Japanese writers and German folk and yada yada, so... And a lot of it just, I don't even know if it got published. Somebody paid me for it, and I retain. Uh, I, I usually, when I when I sign a deal, it's for first North American publication rights. Um, so I, as soon as something goes out or the timeline expires, I get the right to republish it. My Awful Mouth is kind of a retrospective of what it looks like to be an indie illustrator over the course of a decade. Um and I do some, you know, reflecting and whatnot. And then uh, my newest book, which is is forthcoming this fall, is a book called Wrong About Everything, um, which is kind of like a, if Kevin Smith was directing Supernatural. Like it's it's like a, a buddy story. It's monster of the week type thing. Blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, those are the, those are the three comics that I'm I'm willing to talk about at this point. I've always got about twelve projects going on at any one time. So, and yeah, and I also tattoo full time uh, at a shop, uh, Sean Anderson's Electric Dragon Land and Hopkins. Um, so I'm there five days a week doing tattoos, and uh, I don't know all kinds of other stuff. I still work pretty much full time as a freelance illustrator too. I've got some stuff coming out with. Uh, some album art for stand-up records later this year and um, working with this band Buried Above Ground right now doing some special edition posters. They've got some shows with Behemoth coming up that they'll have some posters for, so on oh, and so forth. Wow. Yeah, keep busy. I'll, I'll also, yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> the big one, I guess, is I'm uh, the 2017 Surly featured artist. Surly Brewing Company is uh, Minneapolis Brewing Co. that does some pretty gnarly beer and they... Uh, they select an artist every year to do uh, <clears throat> labels for their annual specialty beers, Darkness, the anniversary beer, and then their big festival, Surly Fest. So I'm, I'm working with them this year doing stuff. Nice. That's amazing. You're doing what you love, and so many uh, people don't get there. So congrats to you, my friend. That's amazing. Have you considered, you know, like kind of getting off your ass and doing something with yourself, though? I do feel a little lazy from time to time. You know, it's funny, too. I get that a lot at the tattoo shop, the whole, like, you're so lucky to get to do what you love. And I appreciate where people are coming from with that. I really do. I don't mean to diminish that. But, like, art stopped being a passion for me years ago. And at this point, it's it's just compulsion. Like, I don't I do not do anything else. Like, I wake up and I create shit uh when i'm not doing you know adult stuff like paying bills and trying to figure out how to stand up straight now that i'm 30 (laughs) Uh, and it's it's really just like i i I turn into like a real horrible fucking person if i'm not making stuff all the time so it's weird to think about because i've always had a bit of a pragmatic view about about making art it's never been this huge emotional catharsis for me. I just have always been interested in producing uh, evocative and, and compelling images. And uh, I think to a certain extent, it's because I've always felt that that dissidence that people feel that draws them to the nerd world, the, the otherness that they feel. Creating things kind of helps me diminish that feeling. I feel like if I can make something with an intention and people have... Um, even a remotely predictable emotional response to it, then I must 
have some grasp on what it is to be a real person <laughs> and and it, it kind of normalizes things for me because it, otherwise i just i'm constantly bewildered by the insanity surrounding me right <clears throat> and we've had other people uh come on the show kind of say what you're saying you know where the once it becomes your career your the passion kind of leaves and it just becomes just like another job but not even necessarily that you don't love it it's just it's it's what you are it's who you are right yeah how i validate my reason for being that's that's what it is you know and like it's one of those things too i think that comes from people too it's the same kind of sentiment when people say man i wish i could draw i can barely draw stick figures um, which, first off, drawing a believable stick figure is trickier than people give it credit for. You still have to have a basic understanding of, like, proportional anatomy. The necks are always stick. too long yeah. when you look yeah. at people's right. <laughs> Do you include the collarbone or do the arms spread out from the neck? It's, it's a lot of decisions got to be made there. But I don't think that what I do is, is – I don't think there's any magic to it. I think if anybody spent, you know, uh, 8 to 10 hours a day for the better part of 12 years – drawing that you probably be at an approximate point that I'm at. Um, it's really, uh, it's really mathematical. Like all it's, uh, you know, figuring out, uh, the way people's eyes move across a page, um, how to direct people's focus to certain things, uh, how quickly people process different types of visual stimuli. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things kind of add up to a bit of a golf swing. Like eventually you don't think about it as much, but there was a lot of study of that on my part early on continuously. I'm always kind of fascinated by what people want to look at. Um, you know, you re- your brain blocks out about 90% of all visual stimuli because uh, it just dubs it unimportant. It's like, you don't need to know the eye color of the person walking across the street from you. Like, you can just see person. It doesn't matter what color their shoes are or, you know, what uh, rhythm they're walking in or you know, uh, how much facial hair they have or et cetera, et cetera. Like, your brain just doesn't do that. And um, a lot of visual artists don't have that luxury. A lot of us pick up on things uh, to the point where it's overwhelming. And I think that's why a lot of us feel the compulsion to be in control of a visual presentation is so that we can uh, make sense of all the stimulation that we pick up on a day-to-day basis. But Sorry, that got real deep there. Oh, no, <laughs> there's I'm lots of, loving there's lots of big of jokes and electric hangover. It's really, there's, there is, I promise. <laughs> Um, I so, I really yeah. enjoyed Electric Hangover. Uh, I just I'd never seen before how the story will just be progressing, and then you see a bubble that says "Stop! Wait a minute!" and then it actually cuts to the creator sitting there creating the book, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you're you're seeing the ideas go back and forth between them before you get back into the story, and it's kind of brilliant in the way where um, well, it's going to be hard to explain, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking to you about before we started the show. We were talking about in 1988, McDonald's put out that uh, this little vinyl LP contest called the Million Dollar Menu mm, yeah. Contest. And uh, you had to, like, memorize this song, which was essentially all the items on the on their menu. Which, you know, again, wow. to, the, to the customer is just a way to maybe try and win a million dollars. But without them knowing it, you've marketed yourself rather damn well that's you know? so insidious holy shit <laughs> isn't it though isn't it though um, that is Orwellian that's beautiful <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna kind of use that to say what I'm trying to say with Electric Hangover is you were uh, at one point 
I don't know if it was you or the other uh, person in the panel, but was like, I think we need to do this. That way the, the, the reader's attention is drawn this way. And though to the reader, reading that might be like, uh, boy, I'm getting all tangled up in my own words here. Uh, oh, that's just a cool little nod. You're also kind of subliminal, subliminally pointing them in the direction you're wanting them to go. Mm-hmm. They're yes, both me. No? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, it's me as, it's me as uh, the, the metafictional aspect of the book is me as the writer arguing with me as the artist. Um, I have a lot more professional experience as an artist. Um, the only writing I've really done uh, is for my own books. And um, I think I struggle a lot with that. Most of my favorite creators are writers and artists. You know, you're... Eric Powell or like, uh, Sean Murphy's punk rock Jesus, or, you know, a lot of the stuff Sam Keith does. Um, I, I like that singular vision. I gravitate towards it in, in all aspects of, of entertainment. You know, my favorite filmmakers are like Terry Gilliam and Del Toro. And these are guys who have this, this specific razor sharp idea. And while they might work with collaborators, they're still at the end of the day, going to be as in control of the output as possible. And, uh, that's, I mean, that book is, is commentary on a lot of things. It gets into it into later issues a little bit too, but something that really bothers me is that people no longer buy art. They buy the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody who spent a lot of time learning how to draw things, the way they look, um, going to a comic convention is especially disheartening when the asshole next to me drawing the chibi version of Wolverine and Deadpool <laughs> flagrantly committing copyright infringement is making money hand over fist where I've spent, you know, a year toiling away on this, this new thing that they'll never have seen before. Exactly. Um, and they, they can't, they would rather buy a fucking big gulp than pick up the ash can. Um, that's frustrating. And I think that inserting myself into the story, it, it kind of, it allows me to distance that a little bit and, and, and talk about it in a way that doesn't seem cynical and, and overly adversarial. Um, it, it brings people into that conversation. And I think that the creation of an indie book is inherently, uh, interesting because, as a comic book artist, the average income of a non-DC or Marvel artist is something ridiculously low, like seven grand a year. Holy like, shit. if you're just making indie comics, you are so far below the poverty line that they don't even count you. Like, I lived in a foreclosed house for almost four years. I was squatting um, just so that I could try and get an indie comics career off the ground. And, you know, I accidentally became a tattoo artist. Um so I think that bringing people into that that struggle and that that deliberation of like, man, the neckline on you know the female lead's shirt, if that's two inches lower or higher, how does that reflect on how the, the viewer is going to think of me as an artist? You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah. I loved Battle Chasers when it came out, all nine issues over nine years or whatever it was. Um, but like Joe mad, the way he would draw these people. And it's something that is it, the way women are treating comics is, is, is especially important to me, given that the comic buying population has shifted in such a large demographic to having such a strong core female audience that 
um, you know, the, the term friend zone came from the comic book world. That was like that, that whole, well, I'm the nice guy and she just wants the attractive dude, even though I'm always here. And that, that kind of vile implication that being nice to somebody implies that they owe you some sort of sexually based gratitude. Um, really bugs me and so it was important for me and electric hangover to to create a a strong female character that has the the love life of which is only very briefly touched on i mean she's barely she's in the first issue but she's not like i don't know i want every book that i put out to pass the bechdel test for sure um so yeah that the, the the writer artist thing is it's a small part of the book but it's a really important part because it it uh, I think it, it gets people involved in a way that they might not otherwise be. And being involved in a book, I think, is what makes people really respond to it. You know, when you're a, a not necessarily impressive physical specimen and you read Spider-Man and, like, it's this wish fulfillment, but there's still this relatability to, like, oh, man, even though he's a fucking superhero now, he still can't get the girl or, like, he still gets picked on, he still gets the shit jobs. Like, that's the the analogous behavior that I think people respond to. So that was kind of my way to do that. Also, it, it helps keep the page count down because I can just take fucking photos on my smartphone and then I don't have to draw anything. <laughs> Practical and artistically valid. You can't beat that combination. Oh That's right. That's amazing. So. Just hearing the, uh, the meticulous attention to detail. That's amazing. And that's why you're successful. And, um, I think a lot of people overlook that, you know, yeah. they think, Oh, nobody will notice that or, you know, skip over stuff either just to rush something out, but man, that's awesome. That's and like awesome. at the huge risk of sounding like a blatant kiss ass, I just want to throw it out there. It seems like you're you're living this. You know, this is very much you. If that makes any sense, you know, it, mm-hmm. um, it's it's genuine, and I I have a hell of a lot of respect for that. So, well, thank that's you, awesome. thank you. I, I, I probably I could have worded that in a better way. But. <laughs> I don't know. I gave up on the, like, I've never been interested in drawing, you know, grown men in spandex (laughs) fighting each other unironically. Um, It's not really in the cards for me. I understand the American folklore behind, you know, your Batmans and your Supermans, but it's just kind of sad to me that things like the X-Men, like, they found a way to make it a little bit more relevant with, like, the Mutant Registration Act and the Civil War thing in the day, but, like, the X-Men as an extension of the civil rights movement was brilliant and then after that it be kind of it, it became like as soon as they hired rob leefield everything went to shit it lost his yeah. teeth completely yeah and like i don't know why warren ellis uh, as a writer was a, a huge it still is a huge influence on me he wrote this uh, book put out called coming alone which was not even a comic it was just a collection of essays on comics and um I think a lot of these properties deserve a dignified end uh, because they have been really important. And there's not a single character in the world that is continuously having canonical stories written about them for as long as Batman has. Like 75 years, you can't find one character that's been consistently in production I, I can't think of a single one, like maybe Jesus or Sherlock Holmes, but even there, like there hasn't been a whole lot new going on with Jesus. I think Dogma was really the last time he had an update. Um, and like it's it's not canonical, obviously, because the Vatican is very very picky about what they're willing to put in their library. But um, 
and like that's that it's cool it's impressive in one way but you know i uh, on the off chance that i ever get offered a batman book that i would take in a heartbeat because fucking warner brothers money um <laughs> i can't imagine anything like what do you do with that horse it's been beat every single way like the idea of having to come up with something new and engaging and evocative and right uh original with batman like jesus why why would you try and climb everest when you can just be like hey look at this fucking new island that i, I built with my own two hands yeah you'd have to and go just, completely, I don't know, completely off the rails with batman yeah. to have anything oh man yeah i never thought about yeah, and that then at that point is it even batman anymore or is it just right. some asshole pointy cow you know what i right. mean true so so yeah, that that Electric Hangover is is the first book that I've done. That is, uh, it's a I guess not a long format. It's uh, it's six chapters that get progressively longer. So it's like a concise story in one thing. But it's the first book I've put out that is more than just uh, a collection of vignettes. For since that seems to be the word of the day. Uh, <laughs> I'm a trendsetter. That's uh, what I do. It, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear people dig it because I don't really. You know, you put out the book, and I'm kind of a hermit, both in real life and on social media. I, I fucking detest social media. Um, so it's it's nice to know that people that are reading it are enjoying it and are, you know, potentially excited for the second issue, which should be out at the end of this year. Well, you'll have to let us know when that's coming out, and uh, we'll definitely let the listeners know. Um, yeah, for sure. And people, you can go to swordraws.com, and I have to say, man, what a perfect website for you swords and draws backwards and forwards the same i love it yeah that was totally accidental nobody in my family recognized that until i was like 18 and i was like hey you guys know what our last name is backwards (laughs) seriously it was written in the stars apparently that's awesome man well uh yeah we're going to direct as many people your way uh via twitter facebook and our website uh is there any other places that people should check you out um, I'm really only active on uh, Instagram um, and my website. I mean, I have like uh, the Art of Adam Sword Facebook page, but honestly, it's just reposts from the Instagram. And uh, the only reason I got back on Twitter was because I was trying to get a hold of Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is incredibly difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it just there's no way I can just be like, "Hey, Neil, I got a question." But um, so, yeah, Instagram is is the place to be. That's where I actually post stuff because it's easy to just look at things and not have to read about them, which, I mean, who doesn't like that? (laughs) Got me there. Mm. Awesome. Well, yeah, lots of places to check out Adam's work. And Adam, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Hope you had a good time. Absolute blast. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's a fantastic program. You all do. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to canairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit all the heroes and see the wall of justice, check out some of the videos from our YouTube page, and if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And you heard it before. Here it's some more Candare at Instagram, (laughs) at CandarePod Instagram. I fucked that up. Speaking of social media, um, be sure to have a look at us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Uh, go ahead and use take two on that one. Will do. Thank That's you. a good call. I yeah. thought so. <laughs> you try to keep the herder before 
here at Samore part. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah I thought so too. I thought it was good, <laughs> was but then happy. I, I yeah. got really self-conscious saying yeah. it twice. I would have felt like an asshole. What if this yeah. isn't as cool as I thought it was? I just sold out. Yeah, oh, you got to hit that high note and then get the hell out. I know. Of there, you know? <laughs> I goofed it. See, I was so nervous saying it. That's why I screwed up the end. Drop the mic and leaves. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Don't drop would, my mic. I would love to <laughs> sell out if you guys know anybody that's buying. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I have already On spiritually sold out. I'm just waiting to sign the contract. Candare's all about society6.com forward slash Candare pod. Go get some of those t shirts. Speaking of selling out, and uh, go to our YouTube page. Check out that first, uh, that part one of Captain America and the Avengers playthrough on Candarcade. There's more coming. There are more coming. How many did we record? We have uh, four. There's four games. Yeah. Games we've done. We've done The Simpsons. We've done. Aliens, aliens, and Ninja and Turtles, and Ninja Captain Turtles. America. Yeah, and so. what I've really taken away from this whole experience is that the Ninja Turtles arcade game can suck my balls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, pretty stroking us pretty badly. Yeah, with yeah. Luck. Well, that's a pretty versatile game. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's, the game itself like a really frustrating and fellatious. <laughs> <laughs> it's the actual recording of that episode taste. has just failed over and yeah, over and over. So we're just kind of to that fuck it stage, you know? There must be some like hidden white noise that'll trigger a nuclear launch sequence <laughs> or something. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Adam Sward. Thanks for listening, everyone. keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Talk! You just need the Candam podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. Joe! Hello, hello, Kern. Can you hear me? Sherman. Hello, hello. Remember that scene? Yeah. Oh, God. How do you forget that scene? (laughs) Herman. (laughs) Kern. Sherman. Kern. Broken. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!